talk. I am your congressman, Frank, the third most popular candidate to ever be. Along with me, as always, is the trustee. What's up, planet Earth? I'm Bean. Ho, ho, ho. Ho cubed. You are a ho cubed. <laughs> use a ho. Speaking of use being a ho, uh, we just saw the, the mayor of Atlanta, old Mr. Luda. He came to town. It was, uh, it was fun. It was uh, a, lot of, a lot of people that are old, because we are old. <laughs> there, it was, uh, there were some people, there's definitely people older than me, um, but there's some girls that were clearly in their 20s still. And, like There was a DJ before Ludacris went up, and he was playing you know, a lot of like 90s, early 2000s type of stuff. And, uh, and so every now and then, hey, where my old head's at? I'm like, I'm not cheering for that, you know? And uh, these girls would be like, wee! Like, you're 25. I don't even think you know what old head means. <laughs> uh, but Ludacris was good. I mean, he, uh, yeah, he had good stage presence and all that kind of stuff. The sound engineering, I don't know, the sound quality, I think, was kind of bad. Um, where, but, where was it? It was at Spa Beach at the pier. And it was also with the storm that blew in. It was like sustained winds of like 16 miles an hour with like stronger gusts. I get the doors got delayed. Like doors were supposed to be at five. I don't think we actually got into like 5:30, 5:45. And like my guess is that things were blowing around and very difficult because it was windy. And so I'm willing to say that maybe part of it was that. You never get optimum audio quality when the wind's blowing like 16 miles an hour past both the microphone and with the speakers, uh, but you do what you can do. But anyway, it was fun. It was fun either way. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a ludicrous. Was he throwing bows? <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't have like a huge, it was like him and like one guy, you know, like one kind of hype guy. Um, but you know, it's, it's a... Uh, He's there to do a one-off event more than it's like a tour, so it wasn't like a full production. But, you know, I've never seen Ludacris live. I've actually never seen a rapper live until this one. Have you? Huh. Right? Oh, yeah, Tech 9 I've seen like oh. three, three times, yeah. Oh, Kansas City. Great boy. show. Oh, Highly recommend. I can imagine. How did... I just... There's at some point Tech 9 where you're just like... How much chop can you like fit into like? Because at some point, it's like, just like, okay, okay. He can rap backwards too. I think I heard that. It's nuts. That is nuts. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, Kansas City's finest. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was my first one. Four years old it took me to get to a, a hip hop concert, uh, but it was good. Well, it hasn't all been fun. Well, I may have the storm blow through, which I don't know. If it's all the new Florida people or what it is, but did you hear a lot about this storm this week coming in? Kind of. I heard a lot of people talking about it like it was a thing, you know, uh, like, oh, if it was warmer, it'd be a tropical storm. It's like, well, we live in the tropics and it's a storm. So I don't know. It was, I seem to hear a lot of hype about it. A lot of people, oh, are you ready for it? You're, oh, look at the storm. Have you seen the storm that's coming through? I'm like, I see that's supposed to have some rain and some wind this week. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're flooded in Shore Acres. It's like, it always floods in Shore Acres. Yeah, get a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> when I was looking at videos and stuff, I was like, oh, is it crazy? Because they did get hit real bad with the hurricane. Uh, but I was like, oh, you know, is it crazy? And I was like, this looks like flooding that happens two, three times a year. You know, like just the right storm at high tide. And here you are, like if you're in a... Honda Civic, you're not going anywhere. If you got a pickup truck, you can probably get out fine. 
Um, well, yeah, the storm blew. We all survived. Um, and they're just finishing up or have finished repairs from the hurricane. Too. That is the one way I do feel bad. Like, because that's why I was trying to see how the water was. Because <clears throat> it's like it wasn't getting into people's homes, you know. Because that would be horrible, you know. It's like, oh, these people just like just got hit. I mean, because that's the thing in the thirty years I've been here, I've never seen anything like that hurricane flooding. And uh, but this flooding looks very normal. That no-name storm, I had to wade through water up to my chest to get home. Oh, was there? Yeah, to park in Denver Park because the military wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let me drive to my house. Was that like? And that was a good decision on their part. (laughs) Was that the early nineties? Yeah, it was like it just came out of nowhere and then just sat and rained for I think twenty four hours on us. I was that we that was um, when we came down to visit schools before moving here. And we actually got stranded here a couple extra days. I was staying at my uncle's over on the south side, and uh, I guess we're on this side. But uh, but yeah, we, we were supposed to leave on a Friday or whatever day it was, you know. And I was like, nope. I guess we'll be staying a few more days, missing some school. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be there. Didn't they call it the storm of the century? Wasn't that? Yeah, it was. It? Yeah, Very good one. All right. <clears throat> well. One thing that I realized we didn't talk about last week or any week so far is uh, Argentina did the right thing and they have elected a libertarian, a self-professed anarcho-capitalist. Congratulations, Argentina. I know. It's uh, <laughs> it, like it's official when people are like, you know, where, if you leave America, where can you go? It's like, I don't know, Luxembourg? It's like, I don't know where you go. And so now it's like, well, let's see how Argentina goes. Maybe it... Uh, Maybe it becomes the libertarian freedom bastion of the world with beaches. Because that's the thing. You look at some of these places, I'm like, it's like I guess, you know, Luxembourg because they're financial freedom. But then it's like, I don't know. Where's the beach? Where's the nice tropical weather? And also, when you start looking into, like, gun laws, even, like, places like Belize, they like, take the U.S. dollar, they speak English, like, money goes pretty far there. Like, there's lots of neat stuff. As long as you're not too close to any of the interior borders to, like, Honduras or anything. Um, but, like, uh, then you look at the gun laws, and it's like, oh, if there's a if there's a shotgun shell on your property, you can be locked up. Wow. Yeah, well, cool. like, farmers who are citizens can have, like, rifles and shotguns to protect. That's like Ireland, yeah. Those other kind of yeah, things. yeah. And so it's like that kind of thing. But, like, if you don't have that permission, then it's, like, a serious, like, decade or two, like, type of felony. And uh, But it's not just the firearm if they find the ammo. And so, of course, like, hmm. I sit there thinking, like, well, if I was corrupt, a corrupt lawman, and I wanted to get someone, I'd just take a handful of bullets, you know, just throw it like, what is this? Wow, that's very easy, too. How, like, how hard would it be to find a bullet if you were planting it, you know, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's like sorry it's like now you either pay the grease or you go to Belizean prison for 15 20 years or whatever and it's like okay okay so i've decided not to invest in a cacao antique farm in belize which is a real thing <laughs> kind of affordable too if you don't need roads and power stuff all right well in argentina though there so they bring in um, Javier, I don't even know how he pronounces Malay, and uh, he made a lot of promises going in. He's talking about slashing agencies. He's talking about, you know, he's going to 
pegged the peso to the U.S. dollar, which I think is kind of foolish, but I guess compared to like, you know, 40-something percent inflation and all this kind of stuff, um, the dollar probably looks real stable when you're the Argentinian peso, but it's still controlled by the corrupt Fed. So at some point, you know, get that thing on gold, Javier. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> he has not disappointed so far in his like week or whatever as president. So the new president has reduced the number of government ministries in Argentina by half, keeping a promise made during the election campaign. The cut was necessary to rationalize the actions of the nation-state and make them more efficient, said a government announcement on Monday. Millet, an ultra-liberal economist and self-described anarcho-capitalist, signed the decree on Sunday after being sworn in as president in Buenos Aires. Ah, ceremony, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that was the other thing. When he got sworn in, he did a speech. Normally you do the speech from, like, this palace-type thing, and it's, you, you address all the lawmakers, and you go, I am the new you know, president and all this. Oh, golf clap, you know, stay the union type thing. Instead of doing that, he did a speech, like, in public with, like, where citizens can come up and hear it. And so it was just kind of, it's a subtle thing, but it's just like, here we go. Man like, of the people. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm here to serve you. These are just lawmakers. Uh, let's see. So the number of ministries will shrink from 18 to 9. There's a new ministry called the Ministry of Human Capital that was created that combined the axed ministries of social development, health, labor, and education. The former Ministry of Women, Genders, and Diversity is now subordinate to the Human Capital Ministry. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a real thing. Well played. <laughs> the Ministry of Justice and Human Rights will now only be called the Ministry of Justice. A renaming that Paina 12 newspaper calls a clear, symbolic, political message that remains true to the denial discourse about the crimes committed by the dictatorship. Okay, whatever. So Sunday marked the 40th anniversary of Argentina's return to democracy after a military uh, dictatorship. Isn't that um, Vita's husband? Yeah, yeah. Don't craft me, Argentina. I was like, oh, what a wonderful thing. It's like, I'm pretty sure that guy was the problem. <laughs> Isn't he the fascist? Those friends with the Nazis? <laughs> like, he's a Nazi lover, right? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Have you seen those, like, sky shots from, it might be Argentina, Argentina or Brazil, where, you know, all the Nazis fled at some point? And, like, there's this one mansion in, in some hills somewhere. But their pool has a tiled swastika on the floor. Wow. Yeah. And it's just because, like, somebody moved there at some point, And they're like, I would like a swimming pool. <laughs> it's like, put my favorite symbol on it. It's some tiles. But, uh, yeah, there's a satellite image where you can find it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't know. It says he ran on all sorts of stuff. But he softened his rhetoric considerably and postponed or toned down many of his original plans. He also brought a brought a several experienced politicians into his cabinet, whom he previously vilified as members of the caste he despised. And see, this is where uh. this is where it'll be interesting because, like, he's been a lawmaker for a while, right? Um, but he's still elected as a president. You know, he's not a dictator, um, so he does need the political machine to get some things done. Um, there are some things, apparently, you know, he can do, just like the executive branch and certain powers in the United States. Um, so the, the question is whether he's going to, like, stay true to, like, real libertarian ideas, or if he'll slowly, you know, soften and weaken and stuff like that. Because it's one thing, like, oh, he softened his rhetoric, uh, you know, a week into his presidency. And it's like, well, I mean, 
when you're when you have a political campaign versus you're now president, I mean that is two different games, you know. Running, you you're talking all over the place and like, you know, you obviously you should say what you mean and all that kind of stuff, but you know, you'll be a little louder, a little you know, you're looking for attention, you're looking for votes and all this. Now you're looking to get stuff done. Um so I think it's as long as like these new replacement ministries aren't just like the size, uh, like you know, the size of nine ministries, because that would be, sim, be symbolic or whatever. But it wouldn't mean it'd be meaningless, you know. Right. So if you're like, well, we had you just yeah. ran a fence around multiple. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. you go like, oh, we used to have ten million employees and eighteen ministries, and now we have ten million employees and nine ministries, <laughs> and they have the same powers. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. The the thing that makes me concerned is if he does kind of um, hedge towards, like, normal government nonsense, you know, where instead of doing, like, very libertarian things, he just does little half measures and kind of, you know, basically American politician type stuff. Um, and then it doesn't solve inflation. It doesn't solve all this stuff because he's still high spending, still, you know, all, all the problems of government. <clears throat> They're not going to – no one's going to look at – the actual actions they're going to look at what he promised and said see it doesn't work you need the government you can't just cut the government out and be successful it'll collapse everything collapses and like you'll get those dishonest arguments so i hope he realizes like how much <laughs> i guess liberty loving people around the world are depending on him not being a turd which is a big ask for uh for a politician um, but I saw somewhere else, like in addition to like slicing the ministries, he like devalued the peso a whole bunch uh, where it was, uh, you know, he said everyone's been worried about doing a soft landing. You always hear it with the Fed and stuff, a soft landing. We want to do a soft landing. So it's basically, you know, I always use the Band-Aid analogy or metaphor or whatever. Um, but, you know, slowly pulling the Band-Aid versus ripping it off. And of course, when you're a little kid, you're like, ah, it hurts, you know. Uh, but you realize if you go slower, it's, you know, a little bit of pain constantly for as long as you go. Whereas, like, pain could be over in a second, you know. And so it's kind of like <clears throat> the, it's been like this creeping, creeping devaluation, creeping inflation, all this kind of stuff. And so he's like, let's just, let's just get to the bottom and then work our way back up. Like, why? Why drag to hell slowly, you know? Let's just hop down and figure out how to get out, you know? Um, so I think, you know, <laughs> I think it probably is a little too soon to sound any alarms when they say, oh, he's softened the position here and there. It's like, okay, I mean, it's he's been in office for like 10 days or something. And, you know, 10 days, cutting the number of ministries in half and doing like bold uh, monetary policy. It's like okay. It's like we'll give him give him his due, give him some time. I also hope it. Uh, I hope between now and I guess a year from now, um, I hope that there are like he keeps going and stays aggressive, and that the results are good, and that you know because right now he's some people call him a far right this or whatever you know. Um, but if the results are good, then politicians will want to copy and write his coattails. And so if the coattails that are being ridden are libertarian coattails, that'd be great. Maybe if uh, one Mr. Donald J. Trump <laughs> is elected again, which, I mean, right now I don't see how that doesn't happen. You know, anything can happen. 
Um, you know, he'll end up in jail at some point, maybe. And um, but if that happens, and you get this guy who's kind of twitchy, who has been wronged by the federal government, you know, the guy—it's like the chief executive who then got, you know, the Department of Je- uh, Justice weapon. I was about to say Department of Jeopardy. Well, <laughs> 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 who is interned? Um, but uh, anyway. So, yeah, he's been, like, the DOJ has gone after him. The You know, he's got however many trials right now, or, which are all very specious, you know. Uh, it's like, all right, we saw it worked in Argentina. You can do it without fear. Let's go firing people. Come on, you're, you literally are the you're fired guy. Let's do this thing. Like, put it on television, too. Make a TV production. I don't care, you know. If, it's, if the TV show... Is Donald Trump calling in like the heads of the bureaucracy one by one and then firing them? Maybe they grovel. I don't know. Maybe they say crazy stuff like I knew about this. It's like okay, like I would watch it. Yeah, get my popcorn. Yeah, so like I'm not going anywhere. When can I binge this? How many episodes in a day? But like, and then yeah, nice zoom in on Trump's face. You fired. You know, like ah, that would be great. A boy can dream. I wonder how long, you know, I don't know Argentina's government, but, it, you know, government's like convoluted already. But I wonder how long, you know, he says he cut the departments, but it's like, OK, there's got to be a there's got to be a period of transition, I guess, or pr- preparedness. Like, when do you see the results of your decision? You know? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I saw it in some article where it said, you know, they flagged it for january some other like something like that where it's not bad yeah yeah okay and i it's not in this one but i do think i remember seeing that where they go yeah this implements on this date which is kind of like how our stuff works um you know right before we went up to ohio for thanksgiving they just passed recreational marijuana but it didn't kick in for another month so technically when we were up there it was still technically illegal for another like two weeks or something like that um so, yeah, it was a weird one that uh, Ohio in their last election um, made it so that marijuana is rec- recreationally legal, which is good. But then they slapped a tax on it. Like it's legal with something crazy, like a 30 percent. Jesus. Yeah, wow. Huge. I forget. It might not be that exactly. But I remember looking at me like that's a big tax, um, which anytime a state or a city has tried that. It just leaves the black market running because people go, my dealer's still cheaper. You know, like in the Florida medical system here, um, I do not think dealers are cheaper. They seem to have sales all the time. Like people people talk about steals of deals that they get. Um, but, um, but yeah, when you throw in like tons of taxes, it's like, all right, well, that won't flourish. And, and of course, you still have to change all the... Anyway, Biden promised to reschedule marijuana before midterms and then he promised it again recently and he hasn't hasn't done anything and he needs to buy votes this is the time to do it you know because like right now if you have a totally legal dispensary like your taxes are a mess because it's it's illegal to to write off as an expense uh illegal things right so like you can't (laughs) For example, you can't write off prostitutes and crack. <laughs> Just <a> random example. <laughs> um, 
but uh but that's the thing so like with pot being federally illegal uh when people were f- like did their taxes when dispensaries like i think california probably when they first did it uh they were being hit with this thing where you had no cost of goods sold it was 100 percent profit because uh, you go you can't expense marijuana that's illegal so i think they have to get around it now kind of with, like vertical integration stuff like you need to grow and sell so you write off the operation which i guess technically wouldn't be right yeah like, i don't know yeah like maybe you can write off the power power's not illegal I, I i guess they could be jerks and be like well running a grow house is illegal so power i don't know anyway um that's neither here nor there but they did the pot and then they made abortion <clears throat> abortion part of their state constitution okay which is a weird one because um in michigan they did something like that and when now if you try to make any sort of abortion restriction um like at all like nothing after 30 weeks you know something like that it gets thrown up to the courts and goes well our constitution says you have a right to an abortion it does not have a limiting factor on there and so suddenly it goes like okay so did we just legalize late-term abortion and the answer is Kind of, yeah. It just has to go through the court system first. And it was weird in Ohio because the way they sold it was they're like, do you want to protect the right to keep your pregnancy and to get um, care if you have a miscarriage and your right to... There's all this different stuff, like to have a baby, to have medical care after having a baby, having medical care you know, after having a miscarriage uh, and abortion. And so, so people read that and they go, well, yeah. You know, sure, of course. Uh, but it's like, no one's fighting to not let you keep your pregnancy. No one's fighting to take away medical care if you have a miscarriage. And no one's, like, there's like, no, none of these things are actually up for debate. So it was kind of a, kind of a dishonest way to legalize, like, late-term abortion. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out in Ohio. But um, that was a weird one. It was like, like legal pot killing babies right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway but uh while argentina seems to be taking steps to be under controlled and less ridiculous uh here at home um we're going different directions our first lady decided to put i guess first ladies always put out um a christmas thing uh, like a little video, because as people were complaining about this one, they were showing clips of Melania walking through some white Christmas tree thing. But it's always seems very, I don't know, palatial and, you know, there are, our rulers are betters, you know. Uh, but Jill Biden and our president uh, gave us this this year. Let's, let's see the tape. Roll the tape, Charlie. No, I don't know why I have it on mine. Like, I'm going to be able to watch it here.
tell what the production is that they're doing. I mean, I don't know. Is there a name for this? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a uh, this is a shortened rendition of uh, Ah, okay. Yeah, I've never actually yeah. seen the Nutcracker. Somebody in the production was like tap dancing. King at the end there, so uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> so that doesn't communicate to me a Joe Everyman type or Jill Everyman in this case, but like you know, Argentina's trying to get back to like, listen, the government's for you. You're the people. You're actually in charge. We should take away the government. All this, and then we're putting out there, uh, you know. Expenses are high, or you know, inflation's up. Things are more expensive. Pay's not going as far. People are struggling a little, and it's like, hey, how about a dance ensemble? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know. The, the uh, I've seen a lot of people freak out about um, the oh, creepiest thing ever. Some of it's a little weird, but I actually think I don't think they did a bad job. People are like that sucks. I mean, I think the dancers did fine. I mean, it was. I think it was. I don't know the ins and outs of tap, but I don't know. It was good. Like I don't think I could do that. I know I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't know, you just kind of you can kind of see the Nutcracker kind of thing that almost takes till the end with the the Rat King. When I grew up, my you know my mom worked at a ballet company, so I've seen the Nutcracker a lot. Was that was that the ma- the mask thing? The mask thing. The uh, the person in the blue suit was wearing. Was it a sheep or a ram's ram's mask? I don't know. It was odd. That was the odd thing that stuck with. I mean, there was a lot of odd things, oh, but oh, in this thing that stuck with me. You know, there. Yeah, that was weird. And that's the thing. Like some of it, at the very beginning, I'm just like, "What is this?" And it kind of at some point, I'm like, "Oh, it's kind of a Nutcracker thing." But you know, like the Nutcracker, it's like in it. There's a Christmas party, and so like it's like people hanging out and. You know, kids are getting toys, and so some of them are getting masks and things. So okay. It could, it could have been that, maybe? Okay. And then it gets into, like, one of them, like, falls asleep, and then a lot of this is, like, dream stuff, where there's a battle between the the rats and the uh, and the 
the nutcracker, like the toy soldiers, basically. And so it's like you got rat kings as the or rat people as the bad guys. You got toy soldiers as the good guys, and like the nutcracker is the main good guy. And at some point, he's uh, you know more human than nutcracker, and it's like oh, I love you, whatever. Um, so I guess some of that was was that or something, but it's I don't know. I what I liked about it was the people freaking out, being like. Um, it's like, oh, this this looks like the Hunger Games. <laughs> you know, the capital of the Hunger oh, Games. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, That's, hey. Yep. <laughs> all right. It's like, look at our glory. Look how wonderful everything is. Look, everything's so great. We have our makeup and our wigs. It's like, carry on, carry on. It's like, yeah, that's, that's where we're going. We're not, we're not trying to be uh, subtle. We're not trying to, to be modest. We're going the other way. And along the way of losing our modesty, um, one of our great senators has a staffer, um, Democratic senator from wherever, Maryland. Well, he had a staffer who's been getting it on at the Capitol <laughs> and videoing it and posting it on Internet. So this is from the blaze. A staffer for a de- Democratic senator has brashly... Oh, yeah, this is his response. To the accusations that he filmed gay sex in the hearing room. Do you know why they accused him of Wait, that? Wait, in the hearing room? In the hearing room. He is, de- like, it at the office buildings. At the, uh, <laughs> this is great. Yeah, and, like, it's a conference room near where where he works, like, down the hall. Wow. Yeah, and, like, he uh, took a couple of videos, him and some dude just getting it out, but, like, at the Capitol, you know? Zero and- Fs given. Uh, no, there's a lot of F's given, well, I think, yeah. right? In the uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, he um, posted online and uh, he put it under a pseudonym. And so I guess he figured just having a fake name, same face, fake name, um, he put it online. No one's going to find out, really? I, you know, he thought it was a good plan. Felt like a good idea at the time. Um, but he it's a sexually explicit video of two men having gay sex at a U.S. Senate hearing room went viral on Friday. The gay sex reportedly took place inside the hearing room 216 in the Hart Senate <laughs> office building. That's a very specific room. It's like he allegedly did it because, you know, he did it. One of the men allegedly in the video is Aiden Mazeropsky, an aide for Senator Ben Cardin, a Democrat from Maryland. That dude, Mazeropsky, Zeropsky. Responded to the allegations on Friday with a statement posted on LinkedIn, of all places. He seems to play the victim and hints that he was one of the men having gay sex. And hints that he was. This has been a difficult time for me as I've been attacked for who I love to pursue or who I love to pursue a political agenda. While some of my actions in the past have shown poor judgment, I love my job and would never disrespect my workplace. Agree to disagree, but but you did. <laughs> I mean, like, if you if your workplace is cool with that, then it's not disrespecting you. Like, I know, I'm sure maybe the senators have a little little secret office for when they get a get it on with an aide or something. Maybe they say, oh yeah, everyone does it. Maybe that's it. But then uh, any attempts to characterize my actions otherwise are fabricated, and I'll be exploring what legal options are available to me in these matters. So, <laughs> fabricated? Yeah. Come on. 
Right. It's like, you don't seem to be saying it was a deep fake. You're just like, because I love my partner. I don't know, married or whatever. I love my partner. This is how I love him physically. Sometimes we film it, put it on the internet. But to say that I filmed it and put it on the internet, it's fabrication. I'm going to sue. Seems like uh, those people get, you know, those people get real heated and upset about something. And one of the first time, I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue you. It's like, sue for what? Like, calm down. There's nothing to sue about. You have nothing to sue about. Like, that seems to be his, his response. Like, if you don't stop, I'm going to sue you. My daddy's a lawyer. Um, I don't know if there's anything else, really, to talk about. Uh, yeah, he was part of, uh, he was in a video for uh, Joe Biden during the campaign, you know. Probably showing off token gays and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, once again, some people want to make things more transparent. Other people are turning the capital into their own pornography studio. And then complaining when they get caught that life isn't fair. Where's Hunter at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, he's probably the one holding the camera. <laughs> I'm doing good. Not the thing that I'm into, but I can watch. I got crack. I can hang out. <laughs> it's like I got kicked out of a sex club, so I'm starting my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. This is Hunter Biden's sex club in the Senate building. <laughs> His dad was a senator for a while. He knows the building well. He's just like, you know, good old uh, hearing room 216. It's like, that's where we, we meet. First, you do the secret handshake. And then hand sanitizer. Lots of hand sanitizer. Because no one wants to touch any of those hands. God knows what they've been doing. And that's not all the ways that we are getting things under control as the U.S. government. Um, of course, we want to make sure that... Um, oh, yeah. Here, hold on. Hit that button one more time. Did I mess you up? Yeah. Tap yours. There we go. Okay. Cool. Now you can take it back. Um... So, we have digital surveillance issues, if, if you haven't heard. So, the House representatives could vote this week on a bill to greatly expand federal digital surveillance powers, potentially broadening both the scope and electronic communications to be scooped up and giving law enforcement more opportunity to access that data. Uh, Edward Snowden said this is the biggest encroachment on your privacy since the Patriot Act, which is saying something. So basically, this thing, which is called the uh, FISA Reform and Reauthorization Act of 2023, is one of two measures aiming to make changes to Section 702 of FISA uh, that could be brought to the House floor on Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, I suppose, because it did not get voted on this past Tuesday. Um, created after 9-11, allows federal intelligence agencies to vacuum up communications between Americans and foreigners. Under some circumstances, law enforcement is allowed to query Section 702 database, which includes an unknown amount of incidental data pulled from Americans' online communications with those creepy-ass foreigners. What's the definition of foreigner, though? Is that anybody? Anyone that's not an American citizen. Okay. I mean, but couldn't they just redefine that as they please? Yes. They've, they've done a little bit of that, too. Yeah. But And do you know about how Five Eyes work? mm Ooh. You'll like this. <clears throat> so Five Eyes is a partnership with uh, five intelligent agencies. Um, CIA is only allowed to investigate external things, not domestic things. Um, so CIA cannot investigate 
Americans. Unless they're involved with some sort of international deal, right? FBI can can investigate domestic things, but they're not supposed to do international things. You know, CIA's intelligence, federal or FBI's law enforcement. Um, so you can spy on if you're CIA, you can spy on every citizen on the globe, right? But you can't spy on Americans. England, kind of same thing. They can spy on everybody on the globe, but not the Brits. Um, I think Israel's part of it, kind of same thing. That's three, who are four and five? Maybe Australia, I think, is one of them. And I can't remember who the fifth one is, but, you know, same general thing. So you got, uh, like, Israel, Australia, England, America, and somebody. Um, we'll say Luxembourg. It's not. Uh, but anyway, so the deal is that they're all like, all right, tell you what. We're going to spy on you people, and then we'll give you that information. And then you just give us the information on Americans. They go, cool. Handshakes all around. Everybody technically doesn't break the law. And so the CIA doesn't spy on Americans. Uh, but the Brits and the Israelis and the Australians and stuff, they go, here's everything about Americans. And then they return the favor all the way around. And so it's the five eyes. And uh, this is something that came, you know, thanks to the Patriot Act and all this post 9-11 crud. Um so that's fun. Um, so yeah, this section seven hundred two um, is just a way to collect gobs of data and then access it to uh, at their pleasure. Um, section seven hundred two is set to expire at the end of the year, and recent revelations about how the FBI misused the spying program have raised hopes that Congress might rein in the program. Uh, despite its name, however, the FISA Reform and Reauthorization Act appears to expand. Not reform the program. What? Legislation has a name that does the opposite of what it says? This is shocking to me. Let's see. One portion vastly expands the universe of U.S. businesses that can be conscripted to aid the government in conducting surveillance. This is kind of the, the important thing of what they're doing, right? So right now, okay, yeah, right now, it can compel businesses that have direct access to digital communications. So telecom, ISPs, and stuff like that. So, you know, Verizon, Spectrum, all these people, they can be like, hey, we need the communications. You know, we need all Charlie's text messages. Because uh, if you don't know, anything that's sent over SMS is actually goes through the air totally unencrypted. So if you, you know, if you just have access to the tower's logs, you have every unencrypted text message. Um, you know, iMessages... Two other iMessages are supposed to be end-to-end -end encrypted. The new Google messaging, which is like the RTS or something like that protocol, uh, that's supposed to be end-to-end -end encrypted. You know, none of it's as strong as Signal. Of course, I'm worried that old what's her face is going to drag Signal into bankruptcy and have it gone forever. Moxie, that's her name. I do not like the woman that heads Signal right now. I think she used to work for Facebook too, and someone else. I don't know. I don't trust her. I feel like she's going to ruin Signal on purpose to get rid of the strongest intent encryption. Yeah, I like Signal and like it's kind of already in a bad direction. Well, it's like they, they said they couldn't afford to maintain the SMS communications on top of their protocol. So it's like, so it's like, okay, well, you can use it to message just Signal to Signal people. And it's like, all right. And they go, and that way you don't think something's protected when it's really not. It's like, right, but anybody using Signal knows the difference between, like, the encrypted messages and the unencrypted messages. Like, there's the lock, there's the unlocked lock, you know? And, like, you know friends that don't use it, but you could talk people into using it 
because it's like, look, it handles all your text messages. It's just one. You don't need two messaging apps. You can just use this one for all your messages. And now you can't say that. So now it's like, I don't know. You know, you got these other companies advertising encryption. And basically all you can do is signal. Go, oh, well, technically we're stronger. We're stronger. It's like, cool. You're not going to win any new users this way. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, but anyway, so, so as it stands now, the government can can force telecom providers, ISPs, um, to give over data with a court order. Um, but under the new proposal, any business or entity that has access to telecom or internet equipment uh, can be forced to participate. Uh, that means hotels, libraries, coffee shops, and like any other place that offers Wi-Fi to their customers. And I bet you not even to the customers. I, pretty much if you have a router, you know, if you have a router, they can compel you to hand over data, you know, and like who, I mean, but what business has like a router or a telephone, like <laughs> almost none of them. Right. And so, but, uh, and the change would effectively overrule a recent decision from the foreign intelligence surveillance court, the secret court that reviews American spy programs, and uh, the new, whatever. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's just that warrantless access to all sorts of stuff. So this is, you know, as we're dancing into the holidays, as we're banging it out in the Senate, uh, we're also trying to spy on people even more. Um, oh, you know, I didn't pull it up, but I just saw, was it Chuck Grassley? I know it was a Democrat. He's bringing up, um, apparently, push notifications um, are being used to spy or people are getting spied. There's push notifi notifications are getting spied on. Um, there is some weird carve out where like the f different federal governments, like not just Americans have been forcing Apple and Google to provide all the push notifications for certain people. Um, with, and, and they've also banned the companies from putting it in their like transparency and disclosures because, like, right now there's stuff, like, if someone, if um federal government submits a court order and says, I need all Charlie's uh, Gmail, uh, Google's supposed to issue you a notice and say, hey, there's a court order, we got, we're giving everything in your Gmail over to the, the government because court order, we have to. Uh, but the push notifications weren't required. Um, and the thing about push notifications, it, even I thought, they just go from the app to your notification tray, you know, that's it. But apparently there's a bit of a, like a clearinghouse. They say it's kind of like the post office. Uh, but both Google and Apple kind of have a server where like the apps kind of funnel through an internal server and then back out to your phone. Uh, so it leaves your phone before it comes back to your phone. And the federal government, governments, were saying like, all right, well, let me get all those notifications. Um, so it can be simple things like, all right, he had, you know, whatever, uh, alarm at 6 a.m. He wakes up at 6 a.m. But it also can read the text contents. So if you have your text message notifications pop up there, um, they can be read at this clearinghouse level and the, the feds can collect it. And they've been forbidding Google and Apple uh, from talking about it. And I guess there was a whistleblower that brought it up. And then, like, I guess Google, Google says they've always been talking about it, which, you know, whatever. I believe them, I guess. Uh, but there was a whistleblower, and so now Apple was like, yep, 
confirmed. Like now that someone said something, we are going to add it because we haven't been allowed to talk about it. But now it's out in the open, so now we can talk about it. And uh, but yeah, just that's another way we're being spied on. E- even if the notifications are pop up, like you designate them to pop up blank or redacted, so to speak. Well, and so with that, like um, like for signal, for example, if you don't have it pop up the contents of the text message, uh, then it would just show that you got whatever you know a, a signal notification but yeah. not the contents of the text now if you have it so that you know it says frank sent you a text ho 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 they'll be able to see that frank sent ho 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 you know so whatever you can see in your system tray when you pull down uh is what they can see you know um great yeah 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 so that'll be another thing they should you know that should all be encrypted if it's really going to go through a clearinghouse and if that's a really necessary thing to do, I mean, it should be encrypted when it leaves and encrypted, you know, unencrypted when it gets back to your phone. Because, like, otherwise, I mean, that's clearly a huge security bug, you know, because if federal government can just ask for it, um, I mean, I guess it's only on one server or, you know, co- one company servers or two company servers um, and should have pretty good security. But that seems like a lot of unencrypted data just sitting around there. Yes, you're saying it should... It should be encrypted when it leaves your phone and then encrypted when it leaves the server. Yeah, it should be end-to-end encrypted. Yeah. Like, by the time it le- like when it leaves from the app, you know, it should be encrypted before it leaves your phone. And when it comes back to your phone, you know, your keys will match up and that should be decrypted. It should be, and it should be, you know, quick. It shouldn't be a complicated thing, you know. Um, let me see real quick here. Where are we on time? 45. Okay. Let's see. All right. Well, yeah. Um, Once again, with our government, uh, with everything being okay with government, let's go to this new poll. That is very interesting to me. Um, I got a lot from The Blaze today, but their website is just so pretty. It's just so clean and pretty. I like it so much. And like, just I go to even Just the News. I want to, like, I got something from Just the News coming up. And ah, oh, the pop-ups and their ads, and it's, uh, it wasn't getting picked off by my pie hole. Um, anyway, all right. New poll finds rampant mail-in voting fraud in the 2020 election. So let's get to the meat of this. Uh, so Rasmussen and the Heartland Institute conducted a poll. Um, I wish they gave me the guts of it earlier. Um, so a national poll of 1,085 likely voters were conducted between November 30th and December 6th with a margin of error plus or minus three percentage points and a 95% level of confidence. Um, okay. So jump back here in the poll, 21% of mail-in voters admitted they filled out a ballot for a friend or family member. 19% of mail-in voters admitted that a friend or family member filled out a ballot on their behalf. 17% of mail-in voters admitted that uh, they voted in a state where they were no longer a permanent resident. And 17% of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot for a friend or family member with or without his or her permission. Um, and of course, each one of these is considered voter fraud. <laughs> um, and so this poll was done in a way <clears throat> where they said um, it kind of made it anonymous, that goes anonymous, you know. And they're like, it's not going anywhere, but they did ask like, who you voted for, how you voted, um, did you? Did this happen, this happen, this happen? And so, you know, it was one of these things like, 
it was supposedly done in a way for people not to be fearful of repercussions and just be honest and all that. Um, but yeah, so this article taking uh, only the first instance, instance, this means 21% of all mail-in ballots were fraudulent in 2020. It's important to note the number was right, likely higher because the survey questions were not mutually exclusive. Uh, though there is certainly some crossover between the categories, some voters committed fraud by filling out a ballot for a friend, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so just they're saying 21% as a base, but, you know, obviously they feel like that's a conservative thing. Um, according to election data, 43% of 2020 voters cast ballot by mail, the largest percentage in history. So 21% of that figure is approximately 9%. Okay. So according to the Cook Political Report, 158,397,726 votes were cast for Joe Biden, Donald Trump on, or another candidate in 20... Okay, for all those candidates. Taking 9% of this total would mean that more than 14 million ballots cast in 2020 were fraudulent. Again, this is just the most conservative. So not just mailing 8% of all survey respondents, not only those who cast mail-in ballots, admitted that a friend, family member, or organization, such as a political party, offered to pay or reward them for voting. Which has been going on forever. Um, I mean, that's like the Democratic Party, at least in the South, the bread and butter, has always been, you know, paying people. They also send the 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 buses all to churches and stuff like that. And you get the um, the preacher guy. It's like, get the congregation. Come on, we're going to gather up and vote. But of course, it means we're voting blue. You know, don't show up if you're not voting blue. Um, Do they not have my address? I haven't been paid yet. <laughs> yeah, bribe me. <laughs> Um, while the percentages are similar, the overall number did okay. Thirty-eight percent of Biden voters submitted mail-in ballots compared to twenty-three percent of Trump voters. All right, so let's see if they break those numbers down somewhere. Well, I don't know, but either way, so if you you know, considering that, um, considering that, uh, thirty-eight percent of of Biden voters. Or mail-in ballots. 23% of Trump voters were mail-in ballots. Assuming the same 21% fraud in both. That would still be more fraudulent ballots on, on Biden's side than Trump's side. Which is, you know, a, the best estimation of data that you can really do with such a thing. Um, the thing that always got me about 2020. Um, let's see. Yeah, the ballot harvesting and all that. Because, like, I don't know. I never I wanted to see some sort of evidence to show like there was mass fraud you know like something um there was enough statistical oddities um where I was not willing to say like hey there's nothing weird going on um but there's a difference between <sighs> Gaming some rules on the front end, messing with the media, you know, like denying Hunter Biden, all that kind of stuff. Like, there's stuff going on, but it's like, can you prove there was this mass fraud thing, you know? Like, it is odd that in, like, all the swing states in the most populated districts in these, like, some of them had to just, like, pause in the middle of the night and take an extra day or two or three to count the rest of the votes that does seem suspicious, you know, like there's a lot of that kind of stuff that happened. Um, also the rejection rate, um, 
I was trying to see if it was listed in here, but the, um, you know, with mail-in voting, there's a certain percent every year that gets rejected. I forget, you know, 2%, something like that. Um, and so that's just standard, like, oh, signatures don't match that, or they voted twice, you know, maybe they forgot, whatever. Um, and so like 2% or some percent like that is like standard. And then like for 2020, the rejection rate dropped down to like, you know, a quarter of a percent or something. And so it's just like, okay, so more people use mail-in voting than ever before. And also most of them got it right when like normally 2% of them get it wrong. You're saying that that didn't hold consistent. Like people just did so much better than like every other year mail-in voting has ever existed. And so, you know, that points to like no one's really checking, you know, like most districts are like, boom, count it, boom, count it. Uh, now, whether that's just needing more manpower and like having so many more votes that they don't feel like they have the time to check it and it's just laziness and idiocy and, and that kind of thing, which definitely makes sense, you know. Uh, but when you combine that with this, like, it does seem like it's not the best system um, when people like when a fifth of all the people are like, yeah, might have cheated a little. Uh, I'm like, but I cheated on this side of things, and like I knew the person. Yeah, I knew the person because um, you know I know some of that stuff happens anyway. But it's just it's hard. The more days go by, and the more corrupt our government is. You know, things like stolen elections, you just go, I don't know, like, some corruption definitely does happen. Some voter fraud does happen. You know, is it significant enough to switch things around? Is there, like, really a system in place that's sophisticated enough? Like, with, um, oh, shoot, what's the Indian dude's name that does the documentaries? Uh, Dinesh D'Souza. He, uh, he's got, it's like, I forget how many mules. That's something mules. 21 mules or something. I, I don't remember the number. But he has this whole movie where he tracks um, ballot harvesting and all that kind of stuff. And he matches it up with some surveillance footage. And they're like, look, look at these people dropping off you know, bags and bags and bags of ballots. This has to be illegal. Um, and like the problem is that like some ballot harvesting was legalized in the name of COVID. So it's like, well... It doesn't prove much. And the uh, software firm that he used where he was like that they were like a key part of the documentary. They came out and they're like, this is not what the data says. Like we told him this is not what the data says. Like this is he's he's misinterpreting things like that's not what we get. We, what we gave him is X, Y, Z. And he's thinking it's whatever. Um, so I don't know. I'm somewhat agnostic on the 2020 election and voter fraud in general. Um, you know, it seems like everybody cries voter fraud when they lose, you know, Hillary did it. Um, Al Gore did it, you know, and, uh, Romney didn't do it. Romney sucked though. He got his butt kicked. Um, but anyway, like it, um, people cry a lot. So it's hard to say what's just sour grapes and maybe they're both just cheating constantly. And it's just who wins that time. Um, but it would be nice to like, I don't know. I think Florida systems got, got a lot better after Bush Gore. Um, you know, our votes are totaled by like 8 PM or something, or they, they're like, all right, we're done. And it's like, Oh, we're one of the first States done. Like good for us. Cause like when they're counted quickly in a machine, 
like the odds of there being fraud like i don't know like it'll be some of the stuff like the bribing people and and that kind of thing like that but i think that stuff's kind of normal and like baked into the cake you know people are gonna buy votes and people are gonna um yeah the system can't catch that yeah and like you're gonna you know you have a a political spouse you're gonna fill out your spouse's ballot and like or you're gonna be like you're voting for so-and-so come on we're going you know like that kind of stuff happens but that's baked into the cake i think you know um so if you can just get it so like no one can pause and go we're down by how many votes we can fix that you know i think that's the concern that that people have is that they can sit back and wait to see what the deficit is for a candidate and then overcome that deficit. Um, and you know, there's enough circumstantial oddness that points to it, but, uh, and they probably know how much time they need to accomplish it too. Well, and that's the thing. Like, if we know these numbers by this time, we have a chance to turn it, Oh, sure. You know. Yeah, like at this time, if numbers are plus or minus this, hit the brakes and yeah. have a problem. Yeah. You know, like, oops. And like some of them, too. Um, I forget where it was, if it was Maricopa County or if it was Atlanta. Um, but one of those type of places, um, the voting machines in the red districts um, were broken. And so lines, in order to submit your ballot, instead of being like, 20 minutes or whatever it's like i right, we got like a four-hour line or something like that and so you know people trying to vote on their lunch trying to you know, vote in the morning you know obviously not everyone can make that happen and so um you know they did the best they could and all that kind of stuff but it's like okay so when only certain districts are having tabulation machines break like that's suspect you know and it's all all this stuff you know of course they're both horrible cheaters we need ranked choice voting is what we need like ranked choice voting would solve all of this, you know, like you have to win the first vote or, you know, if your first vote doesn't get enough, your second vote, if that doesn't get enough, your third, but people will be able to like, if you're a candidate and it's me versus you and, you know, four other people, I go, well, I need to take Charlie out, right? Cause I want to win. But I think if Charlie does drop out, I think his voters are likely to jump to me or I need to make sure that happens. So instead of being like, you know, Charlie uh, is a Nazi rapist. I might just be like, I disagree on Charlie's tax plan, you know? <laughs> and so like, <laughs> so it just, you know, a different way I might go at it. Um, and, and beyond that, like the, it'd be, I think it'd be a lot harder to cheat, you know? Cause like you would have to like have a bunch of single vote cards, you know, where they didn't do a second choice or something. But if there was a flood of one vote, ballots then that was an anomaly um then it could be like all right let's let's look into these you know um because if you have five candidates going up there i don't know the libertarian the green party the democrat the republican the rfk jr whatever he is um you know it's i don't know that's ranked choice voting is definitely the key to regaining power if this whole like democratic style is going to work which is always a bit of a question because, of course, um, democracy is three wolves and a sheep voting on who's for dinner, you know. So it's it's a system. It's theoretically a fair system unless you're the sheep, you know. Um, well, I guess we don't have to get into all the weeds, but the other big thing that happened this week um, 
was, oh, that's not the one I wanted to open. No, I think I didn't send it to myself. Um, but um, an impeachment inquiry was voted on in the House for Joe Biden. Um, and I don't have the one from The Guardian. I don't know if that's on your screen or not. But uh, I thought I brought it over. Uh, so all I have is the Just the News one. Uh, yeah, I have the Guardian one. Okay. Uh, did I send you Just the News? Yep. Yeah, let's jump to that one. But uh, so basically, the Republicans voted on impeachment inquiry in order to try to get um, witnesses to not say no when they say you got it. We've subpoenaed you for testimony because in the past they've been like, "You haven't even voted on impeachment inquiry. I can just say no. That's not contempt of Congress." And so now they're like, "All right, well now, now it'll be contempt of Congress." So apparently, one thing that they're doing is. They assembled a growing body of evidence that Hunter Biden's dealing with the Chinese energy company uh, that landed family millions of dollars in 2017 and actually began in 2015 may have involved meeting with his father before he left office as vice president, according to documents reviewed by Just the News. Um, so it includes statements to the FBI by a longtime family friend who was involved in the CEFC, um, China Energy. That's redundant. Uh, executives like Chairman Ye Jingming, contemporaneous emails from Hunter Biden, and testimony recently released from two IRS whistleblowers. Um, so basically, what they're focusing in on right now is that it sure looks like some of the deals started when when Joe was vice president, if you can believe it. Um, both in China and probably Ukraine, I think, if they look into it, maybe, you know, when he was in charge of Ukraine, getting prosecutors fired... Maybe there were some payments happening then, um, but that there was a delay on payment until after he was a private citizen, you know, just to make sure there was no corruption. Um, of course, the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, um, are saying that they've, they've gone forward with this impeachment inquiry with no evidence. There's no evidence, absolutely no evidence, and they're moving forward with this inquiry with no evidence. And it's like, okay... I've seen evidence. I think what you mean is no proof. Is that the word you're looking for? No proof? Because it's like, yeah, we don't have the smoking gun. But, you know, it's like there is money that went from China to Hunter and Ukraine and Moscow, all that, to Hunter and to Jim Biden. And there are a bunch of offshore accounts set up in lots of Biden's names including like Haley Biden, all these other cats. It seems like if your last name is Biden, um, keyword if your last name's Biden, because Hunter's youngest child doesn't get to have the last name Biden. It was part of the deal, so she doesn't have an offshore account. Um, if your last name's Biden, you probably have an offshore account, and you've probably been getting money. And like we got emails talking about, you know, hold half of it for the big guy. We got, you know, there's photos of Joe Biden with these business people. Uh, Devin Archer... Uh, who tried to kind of say, oh, it was the appearance of, of access, selling the appearance. That's also a crime. Well, maybe that's not something Joe Biden did wrong, if that's true. But, you know, it's like, okay. And there's evidence like, oh, he spoke to Burisma officials at a dinner with Joe Biden, with Hunter Biden. Joe popped in on the phone to talk about the weather. Oh, hi, guys. The weather's good. And then right after that, he got the prosecutor fired that was looking into Burisma. That's just a coincidence, but it's not a lack. 
of evidence, circumstantial, you know. Um, but uh, there's oh, something else popped in my head just when I was going through that list. Um, whatever. Either way, there's evidence. There's lots and lots of evidence. There's no smoking gun. There's no wire. Tra- well, there is a wire transfer to Joe uh, that he didn't put on his taxes uh, that he says is a loan repayment that that he loaned his brother or whoever money and that was paying back the loan. Uh, but he never declared a loan on any of his tax forms before. There's no evidence that any money went out on a loan just came in on the loan. Um, so we do have money coming in to Joe Biden's account. You know, we do have Hunter and Joe commingling finances. We do have Hunter threatening the Chinese, saying that his dad and his ability to hold a grudge will make him his life living hell and all this stuff. So, like, it's really frustrating, though, I guess not surprising, uh, to watch everybody take this no evidence line and just echo it when it's like there's definitely evidence of corruption and financial gain from use of the office, you know? Um, I mean, there just is, there is, there is, you know, you just have to change the word, uh, the meaning of evidence in order for there to be no evidence. But yeah, so uh, that's begun. Everyone's in cover mode. I don't think anything's going to happen with it. Uh, maybe they move toward actual impeachment, but I think that would be stupid. Uh, cause you're in an election year. Um, like, Keep the investigation going. Ask people questions. Try and get them on the television. You know, saying like, "Oh, this happened." Get people talking about talking about the corrupt deals. You know, get it in the news. They're talking about this, talking about that. Um, but I think if you went into a formal impeachment, uh, and I think they have to drag this out till November. Really, at this point, I think they have no choice but to just just drag it out. Because if they if they decide not to impeach before November then the Biden team will say, see, they found nothing, not guilty, not corrupt. Um, and if they, I think if they move to a formal impeachment, uh, that might be enough to rally troops for Joe Biden to protect them against the political witch hunt kind of thing. Um, and they don't have the votes in the Senate. Um, like, they're not there. So it's, it wouldn't happen. You know, it'd be like a Trump thing where you get get impeached, survive the impeachment. Um, but that I don't know if that would be the smart political move, to be honest. I think it'd be stupid. Um, so they're kind of putting themselves in a pickle. I think they jumped the gun on this, uh, but maybe they had to start now before election season formally starts. You know, if they wait till after the primary, maybe that would make it look more political. So they start now. I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. But that's. Um, the United States is definitely taking a different path than Argentina, I think is the basic summary of this. So things are good. <laughs> All right. Well, I think for this week, that will do it. Um, remember to subscribe and like and share with your friends and do the videos and the audio. Which, by the way, Rumble's been a pain in the butt recently. Our stuff's been slow to get onto rumble. So I might have to start uh, submitting those separately instead of using our little tie in. Cause it used to take like, it used to delay by a couple of hours. Now there's, I think two episodes that still haven't hit. Wow. Yeah. So I think I need to upload, upload those in a second 
process, you know, I just turn off the syncing stuff. Anyway, that's it. Uh, until next week, what you got, Charlie? Um, keep going, Argentina. Yeah, keep going, Argentina. All right, loaded talk, Frank, Charlie, we out.